0: Tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. Hello, Macca. David from Uki. G'day, David. Uh, you mentioned the ancient Greeks and how we should consider their wisdom a minute ago. You talked about Plato. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, my take on them, three of them that we're thinking of, there's Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Uh, now... Socrates' bottom-line thought for the meaning to life was that the unexamined life is not worth living. Now, well, that's worth sticking with. Plato, <laughs> his idea, he comes second. He says, you can convince me that anything at all is possible except for the fact that 2 plus 2 could equal 5. And the third one, which I think is the most important, Aristotle, his take was that nothing matters unless you've got a good friend and... You can measure your success in that department by how often you eat by yourself. (laughs) I think they had it summed up,
1: actually, didn't
0: they? I think that sums it all up. And they laid a lovely foundation that we didn't build properly upon. I think that's what has happened. We're talking about the ancient Greeks when Athens was a village. Today it's a big city. I got lost in Athens. It was the worst experience you can imagine. <laughs> but in the meantime, I've, I've given you my one-liner take on each of what they they had to offer. If anyone wants to study philosophy, that's where you kick off. Where are you this morning, David? Did you? Say i it? mean you UQ, and you know I've been listening to you for years, Magga, and I've always thought Kel must be a bloke. Thanks, Magga. I'll <laughs> talk to you soon. got a cracker. And tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land, and they call it
2: Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca.
1: I Ain't mean, it interesting? That was David from yukai last week, and it's worth repeating. Because I, I think, you know, I think it's been all downhill since. Since the ancient Greeks, they had it all summed up. They knew what is happening and we've forgotten all those rules and we just make our own rules and you can see what a mess the world's in and it's been in a mess for a long time. Maybe it was a bit of a mess in the ancient Greek times, but not compared to today. I'm in Tassie this morning. I'm Lonnie. Good morning and welcome wherever you are. 1300 700 A lot of emails. Veronica says, Ian, Mount Isa is 100 years old this year. I've written a poem and thought your listeners might like to hear it. Especially those who've lived in Mount Isa or worked there too. Lots of people who have been to Mount Isa I love the Isa. Love your show, would we'll be proud to be part of it, says Veronica Griffin. Well here goes, Veronica. Um, happy one hundredth, Mount Isa. A hundred years since John Campbell Miles started up the mine. His peers thought he was crazy, but it stood the test of time. His drive and his ambition got the whole thing off the ground, and generations of miners have kept it going. Strong and sound. Hundreds of pioneers living in the heat in tents. No swampies way back then. No air conditioners or vents. Some families that came back then still have family here today. Proud to be related to ancestors who paved the way. Hundreds of employees from all around the earth. A multicultural city before that term was given birth. Men from every nation shed blood and sweat and tears. that kept our city growing. Thriving through the years. Hundreds of Aussie battlers have come to have a go... ...to swap poverty and hardship for a fair amount of dough... ...some sending money home to change the way of life... ...for mothers, fathers, sons and daughters... ...and a loving wife. Hundreds of people leaving to go where the grass is greener... ...many returning when they found the greener grass was meaner. (laughs) Some discovered hardship lost the shirt right off their back... ...then headed back to the Isa to have another crack. Hundred years of revenue paid into federal and state coffers... The world can't get enough of our zinc, our lead, our copper. Royalties from mining and tax paid here as well helps make Queensland such an awesome place to dwell. Hundreds of unemployed wouldn't think of living here, but money from our taxes is paying for their beer. They should come out this way and see how hard it is to earn the money they get for free, the money that they burn. Hundreds of birthday wishes for the town that I call home. I hope this celebration brings everyone back home. Hundreds of ex iserites now older and much wiser, Come back and share your memories of time spent in Mount Isa. Thank you, Veronica Griffin. I didn't know the Isa was 100 years this year. Congratulations to the Isa. G'day, this is Macca. Morning, Ian. Morning.
3: It's uh, Rod here in Alice Springs. G'day, Rod. Up in in Trevor Shields paddock. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) I know him quite well. That's good, yeah. So... He's a clever fellow. He always
1: writes uh, interesting bits and pieces.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that um, we do have one deciduous tree in Australia, I believe, the white cedar.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of deciduous uh, native trees, uh, um, uh, native to Australia, but the white
3: cedar. Yeah, they planted lots of them in in, uh, Alice Springs, you know, years ago, I know there's still, there's quite a few around, they used to use them as a street tree until everybody, then, until they started putting them in uh, concrete footpaths, and everybody would slip over on the berries.
1: Oh, right.
3: But uh, there's still one in our old school where I went to over 60 years ago and there's, um, oh, the, the trunk on that's probably nearly three feet in diameter, but it's, um, they don't, oh, they get to about five or six metres high. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, no, they're a lot of work if you live near one. And they also attract—they <laughs> also—they also attract a caterpillar that that's only you only find it as far as I know when you've got cedar trees nearby. Right. And it's and it builds a—they're uh, a horrible little thing. They're, they're a bit like an itchy grub but smaller, and they—they um, they like to build little silky nests. You know, like if you leave a bit of canvas or your swag rolled up. Laying around and they get in between. You, you just cannot get that silk off the canvas. It's really hard work. Wow. They, they glue, glue anything together. But
1: uh, and Tassie's got a, a native deciduous beach. Apparently, is it Fagus? Fagus. F A G U S. A native deciduous beach. But um, okay. It's well, funny, isn't two, it? Then? That <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? The way the world's developed over billions of years. That. Most of the deciduous trees are in uh, the northern hemisphere where they don't get much sun. Well, not as much as they get down south and there's not as many deciduous trees down south where we live because I suppose they've worked out that (laughs) we need shade. I'm not sure if (laughs) that works, but yeah, most of the deciduous trees are in the northern hemisphere, aren't they? They seem to be.
3: Well, well, as far as I know, yeah. But uh, these things like they—they they love Central Australia. Like as long as they got water, they—you don't have to—you don't have to do anything to make them grow. They'll just grow like a weed, as long as they get in water. Yeah, Rod, what so, do
1: you do with yourself?
3: Uh, we—I don't know. We've got a small property here in Central Australia, and we my brothers breeding a few stud bulls, and we got a little caravan park. But uh, I, I spoke to you. I've spoken to you a few times before. But um, you might—the one time you might remember was when we were retracing the Calvert expedition in '96. We were retracing it. The, the Calvert expedition was in
1: 1896.
3: Across the um, Simpson. sandy No, gr- no, no. Oh, Well, we retraced Madigan too. But um, this was this was um, from the Calvert expedition went from Waluna to uh, to. Um, Fitzroy Crossing. Oh, all right, and a couple of blokes died. Two of them died on the expedition. Did five more trips before they found the bodies. Did you say
1: eighteen ninety six? Yep. I was always interested why people, you know, like Burke and Wills. I mean, I suppose because Burke and Wills did it because there were there was a, a quite substantial reward, wasn't there, for somebody who crossed uh, the continent? So that's why they probably took off. But um, it's the in- yeah.
3: well the calvert expedition was came about because the elder expedition um, which set out from uh, the telegraph line and headed across the great victoria desert um, fell into disarray there was a sort of in there was a problem within within the uh, troops so to speak and uh, that was led by um, lindsay but the, the surveyor on that trip was George Wells, and he was then selected to continue the expedition later on, and it was financed um, by uh, by Albert Calvert, who turned out to be the Christopher case of the 1890s. He, <laughs> he even he even ended up dying on an island off of Spain. So
1: people have in. Have people have interesting lives don't they I mean uh, I don't know yeah. if interesting is the right word but um, uh, well, he,
3: he he financed the expedition and then when it uh, got into a bit of strife he never come up with the rest of the money and <laughs> uh, you know, all sorts of things went wrong then
1: alright well uh, and Rod uh, cool in Alice yet in, is it going, yeah, it,
3: yeah we've, mornings and nights have been down in single figures but no minuses yet and uh, no other weather's It's absolutely glorious at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's a nice time of year. Autumn's always nice, I think. Even though I'm in Tassie and it's been cold, but been glorious, cracking days. There's something nice about uh, winter days or even autumn days, which are cold but the sun's out. It's just beautiful. The air's crisp and fresh and clearer. It's uh, uh, the refractive index of air when it's colder is much better, I think. When so you can, I don't know, is that right? I think it is.
3: No, no, no. You're dead right. And and one of the and it's it's often stiller too. And one of the things, um, just going back to the um, the uh, eclipse the other week, and they, everybody was getting really excited that they could see the planets during the day, mm. and and it's certainly exciting. Would have been I wasn't there. But we only had a partial eclipse here, but you can see certainly can see Venus during the day in the right conditions. Um, and you can, and people say, "Oh, yeah, you know, twilight and that." No, I'm talking about between nine, after nine o'clock in the morning. Um, if you if you know where to look, and it and it's and it helps if it's close to the moon, and it's got to be a still day and a clear. You know, you don't want any cloud or any dust in the air. Yeah. But you can see it with the naked eye, and it helps if it's close to the moon because it helps you focus your eye to the right distance. I can't do it with me without a, a small binoculars now, but certainly when I was a younger i can remember in 1968 everybody in the schoolyard was there watching it all day we could see it from we saw it at, uh, just before school started we saw it morning recess you could still see it lunchtime but um nobody believes me but you can do it <laughs> well i believe you i'll start looking for it rod <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't do it every day but and you know like i say it's got to be in the right place and it helps if it's close to the moon and that doesn't happen always, but um, yeah, a couple of times of the year you can see it for a few days. Rod, right,
1: great to talk to you, mate. Um, no worries. Thanks for telling us about the um, the white cedar.
3: Yep. Right, cheers.
1: Good on you, mate. Bye. Uh,
4: my name's Stephen i Ringing from Campeche, Mexico.
1: <laughs> from where?
4: Campeche, state in Mexico, Cam- the southern. Southern region of Mexico.
1: Oh, there you go. And what are you doing there, Stephen?
4: Well, I, I, uh, I own a ranch here, Maca. I've, I've, uh, I'm sort of semi-retired, I guess you could say, although you can imagine uh, it's hard work. It's very tropical, it's and um, uh, we're sort of milking dairy cows. We're doing a lot of innovative things with land that, you know, is very attractive and plenty of water. So uh, I've been sort of—I bought the place in 2002, mm-hmm. and uh, basically and decided to sort of give it a crack in 2015. I've been here ever since.
1: <laughs> so, and why? Why did you buy a place in Mexico, Stephen? You have the wanderlust all well, your life, or what?
4: Well, I have. I've been involved in agriculture since I was 25, and. Um, I had a, I had businesses in Aubrey and did a, lot of, a little did a lot of ex, ex, export genetics livestock and I exported a lot of cattle to Mexico in the 90s and early 2000 and happened to come across this land here in the southern part of Mexico and it was extremely attractive beautiful land you know 40 23 kilometers from the Gulf of Mexico and. uh, Air for water, uh,
1: and whether it was a good decision or not, I'm not exactly sure, but I ended up buying it. Yeah, well, it's um, it's something that I'd never think of buying a farm in Mexico. Um, and <laughs> i <don't blame> you. <laughs> uh, the, My only contact was. Uh, Mexico, as I remember, my sister went to Mexico back in about nineteen seventy, uh, and, and she she bought me back a, a couple of cufflinks um, when because that was a time when you used to wear cufflinks. <laughs> they were silver, and I know they were they were they worked uh, silver there in Mexico. But it's a very uh, you know, all the songs uh, that I grew up with, you know, like uh, El Paso and uh, Mexican trumpets uh, in, in songs. They're <laughs> yeah, lovely Mexican trumpets. So have you involved yourself in the culture of Mexico or are you basically into farming, no, Stephen?
4: No, no, no. no. I'm, well, I'm, I employ 20-odd people. Um, we're in the southern part of Mexico. The Pueblos ten uh, be four kilometers from each other in a Pueblo, there could be 800 people. Right. They all have land. They all have land. Obviously, obviously there's a degree of poverty, but it's quite amazing, really, the way society's managed, you know, and, um, I'm very complimentary of the people, uh, even though there might be a lack of education, uh, but they look after each other and, um, they respect their respect their families. They love their kids, and you know, they payday to payday type environment. But good people, very very good people. Yeah,
1: it sounds lovely. It, it's one of the places I'd love to go to. And you know, you you always see in movies that when people escape from whatever they're involved in somewhere like in America or whatever, they oh, go to, no. they go to Mexico. Yeah um and 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 it 's sort of like go west young man isn 't it thats it has that sort of aura about it. I oh, will go to Mexico and find yeah. a new life
4: well i uh, i've got you know i i I understand the culture and I work in it every day i I handle, you know the, the bureaucracy the government the state governments okay there's there's all we all know the the negatives however, the system works very well you know. There's no road rage, right? you don't have a, a road rage problem, you don't have uh, abusive situations in the streets. Uh, these cities in the southern part of Mexico are, are a pleasant place to live, you know, and there's many, many Americans, Canadians, uh, South Americans moving to the environment illegally just for the, the lifestyle, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think um, it's somewhere I'd love to go to. There's not many places in the world I'd like to go to. I don't want to travel the world. But Mexico sounds exciting to me. Do you get any guitar music and things like that and haciendas and, you know, um, do you wear a sombrero, Stephen, and what's the deal, mate?
4: Well, let me tell you, in 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 all these uh, cities on the Gulf of Mexico, the, the history is, yeah, you know, goes back way back to the Buccaneer days, and you know invaders coming to uh, knock off the gold and the silver and take the slaves. And so all all the cities are designed around security, inner in cities, what we call centro, and they're beautiful. They've been turned into magnificent, uh, you know, roads, streets, of restaurants, accommodation, very pleasant, lots of music. Uh, a lot of people out Friday, Saturday night, having fun. Minimum amount of money, but having fun, you know. It's, it's a fairly healthy environment.
1: And, Stephen, where are you from in, in Oz when you're from Oz? I
4: was, I was born in Brisbane. I'm a dinky-dye Queenslander. Went to Gregory Terrace. I have an extended family in Brisbane. One um, extended family. I'm one of uh, ten children. Um, you know, wow. um, I was well-educated, had beautiful parents, were brought up so well, and um, I started a business in Auburn in, in 1975, and I guess I've just been a I'm not sure what to say I've been, um, just been involved in the livestock industry ever since, actually.
1: And and are you are you going to stay in Mexico? I mean, you're a dinky die Queensland. Well, you're a, I think you're an Aussie actually, yeah. Stephen. I'm I'm a bit against all these um, states, in if you know what I mean. I'm okay. I, I, yeah, live, I, do, I do. I I live here, but you know, I'm I'm reckon I'm an Aussie. Um, but wherever you live,
4: I, I love I love Australia. I love Queensland. I miss the I miss the uh, eucalyptus trees. I miss the birds early in the morning. Sound on them. No, I'm going to come home. My plan is to exit here, uh, over the next twelve months, and come back and work with my kids in Pittsworth, and and uh, enjoy Maine Beach, that I love, and um, just you know, hang out.
1: <laughs> exactly, is, Stephen. What do you grow there? Do you is it mainly cattle, or do you grow crops and things? And what what do you?
4: Well, how I got involved here, Mac, was that I bought the AFS breed, the Australian Friesian Firewall breed of cattle from the Queensland government in 1994. It was, came under tender under just after Joe Pajoki got uh, got out, and the Labor government came in and got rid of all the all the industries they felt that was not necessary. I bought the entire breed and the genetics. And I was involved in exporting those after I bought it around the world, mainly to the tropical regions. It's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful project. Tropical dairy cows, amazing. So I ended up exporting uh, 3,000 head of those to Mexico. And uh, between 1994 and 2006, and I just, you know... Um, so, you know, I figure I could milk cows here in, in Campeche and that's what we're doing, we're milking cows. Developing the breed, we'd have the largest purebred population of these Australian bred cattle in the world here, yeah.
1: And how, how's life for an, um, an Aussie in Mexico? I mean, uh, people know you're an Aussie and uh, do they know much about Oz or what's the story?
4: Well, well, they, no, they don't know anything about Australia. I think mostly I'm a gringo. Um, I, was,
1: I was going to say that, but I didn't know whether to use the word. Yeah, gringo. because I'm. You, you, I watch. I'm a big fan of that movie with Humphrey Bogart. You know, the Treasure of Sierra Madre, where he yeah. he takes the gold and he comes back and then he gets uh, held up by this little band of Mexican sort of banditos and they say, "We don't want your stinking gold." Um, so, so, uh, yeah, Mexico looms large in my life and El Paso and Marty Robbins songs and all those sort of things.
4: Yeah, well, no, I, 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 I like it, obviously, and I have a great life. I've got a beautiful ranch. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have every convenience. Internet, sometimes internet, some, some other times, but, you know, we have every convenience. Security is not a problem. I live on the ranch on my own, most people, with my wife, most people don't live on the ranches here. They live in their cities, employ managers, yeah. and uh, travel on weekends, and pretend they're managing the operation, Most <laughs> of them don't really care that much. But uh, I live on the ranch, so I'm, I'm totally different.
1: <laughs> Stephen, it's great to talk to you, mate. It's uh, refreshing and I'd love to come to Mexico. and uh, You've got to go to a place where you know somebody, and now I know somebody in, uh, where is it? I wrote it down, uh, Campeche, is that right? Campeche? Yeah,
4: Campeche. Campeche, Mexico, You'd love it here. All right. And you're yeah, most welcome any obviously, and um, I'll, uh, somehow if you do decide to come, you let me know, okay? Yeah,
1: I'll bring a guitar. Oh, no, I'll buy a guitar there, and, and you get me a sombrero.
4: Absolutely, it's really my pleasure. <laughs> but this, I'll just say this before before you go.
5: Yeah.
4: Uh, it's Saturday afternoon here, mm. the people start working at seven in the morning. That is finish at two. Uh, of course, uh, that's about 1.30. thirty. Two is about one thirty. Um, sorry, two is about five thirty, six o'clock in Australia. Yeah. So I really work hard to get rid of the people so I can sit on my veranda. Have a beer and listen to Macca, which I've been doing for, I don't know how long, Macca, but
1: all of 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, that'll do. That's uh, that's good. Um, <laughs> okay. Steve, Stephen, great to talk to you, mate. Um, yeah, um, you never know, I'll turn up on your doorstep, mate.
4: Wow. Oh, wow, I'd be super impressed. It'd be wonderful. Okay, Macca, thanks for the opportunity of talking
1: to you. It's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. Good on you, Stephen. Bye. This is the All Over News I'm in Tassie but I've met people from all over for the All Over News Meet Rob Patterson Your name is Rob
6: Patterson How are you Rob? Good thanks, 1T um, in Patterson hmm? as in <laughs> Banjo I'm a member of the Masonic Medical Research Foundation and our particular Masonic Lodge is going to hold a major raffle uh, starting in September. Uh, It'll go for a year and it'll be a major prize Uh, and the money will go to uh, the MND Society, which is motor neurone disease. Uh, Unfortunately, my wife has motor neurone and the expected lifespan, once it's diagnosed, is 27 months. The money that we will raise will go to the Menzies Centre, which is the uh, major uh, medical research centre here in Hobart along with the Masonic Medical Research Foundation, uh, which provides quite a bit of money each year to uh, the Menzies Centre to kickstart some of the PhD students in their studies into dementia and uh, MND. And hopefully we'll be able to get this up and running by September, and it'll go for 12 months. And then I was thinking that I might be able to ring you in September to let you know how we're progressing. And the professor that you're giving the money to? It'll be uh, Professor Tracy Dixon. She's the board member uh, or the chair member of the uh, MD Society here in Tasmania. I've applied to join that board recently and have been accepted onto that board as well. Rob Patterson with 1T. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks very much, Macca. You take care. <laughs>
1: Now, an interesting perspective from a Hobart local about living in Taz. My name is
2: uh, Bob Evans, and I live in Lena Valley, which is a suburb of Hobart. Well, I wasted most of my life working, and <laughs> now I'm retired. I love gardening and getting out in the bush, a bit of wild produce for the table and things like that. But I'm um, sort of a hunter-gatherer by nature, I guess, but and a gardener now, so yeah. Is that healthy, good? Oh, it's the best you can get. It's homegrown, there's no hormones, no additives in any of it, plenty of sheep manure. I think that's where I started listening to you first 30-odd years ago with our club. We'd go away and get sheep manure early on Sunday mornings. So from about up past six to eight o'clock, we'd be driving up the high country and we'd listen to Macca on the radio. And all these fascinating people ring up. It's not just Macca, he's a great, but all the people that ring in, they really make it,
1: Exactly, that's the name of the beast, Bob. Well, what's your favourite hobby or pastime?
2: Oh, hunting and fishing, <laughs> pretty much, that's about it. Yeah. Mm. Out of a different world. I think I'm still in the same world as everybody else in a different one to me, that's the trouble, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Down here in Tassie it's a bit uh, laid back, isn't it? It's not as uh, fast-paced as, uh, say, the mainland.
2: Yeah, no, you're right there. It's just why well, we love living here, but it's a changing world and changing very rapidly. I mean, it's great to have the tourism and the amount of people that come here and spread some money around the community, but if you live here, it costs so much to go and stay anywhere, we are paying tourist prices to go away for a weekend, so don't don't go away anymore. You mm. used to have a nice old panel van, I had panel vans for 40 odd years, you'd go away and just sleep in the back of the van, but getting a bit long in the tooth for that now (laughs) and I'm not going to pay 200 bucks a night to stop in a unit somewhere so I just don't go Mm -hmm. so now it's just day trips and it's just the way it is and most of the people in my age group seem to be of the same idea, But you know it's fantastic but talking about the wonderful food we produce we get some fantastic food here but basically we get in the seconds and all the good stuff gets exported overseas. And you think, well, where's the profit in that? I mean, it's, it's keeping the economy going, but it's getting a bit third world. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Good on you, Bob. Nice to talk to you. Thank you very much, Ian.
7: Um, Pauline
1: Roby, how are you? I'm good, thank you. From?
7: From Adelaide. And, and
1: you were just on so
7: Yeah, and I was so pleased when I heard you saying you were coming over. I've rung in a couple of times, but you get so many that ring in, you wouldn't remember me.
1: And where's that accent, from Dundee? Um, or Paisley,
7: outside Glasgow. Uh Um, But um, actually, I came over here. There's an island here called Mariah Island. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a farm called Roby Farm. And my name's Pauline Roby. So I'm going tomorrow to have a look at it.
1: You think it's related? No, I
7: doubt it. No, I would doubt it. Uh But um, yeah, I'll go and have a look.
1: How long have you been in Australia?
7: Oh, God, 58 years. Uh long time. But it it still feels like yesterday. It really does. It does. (laughs) I remember coming into Port Adelaide and seeing the palm trees on the road. I've probably never seen a palm tree before. It was lovely.
1: It gets cold in, uh, in Dundee, doesn't it? Oh, around there, uh, well, around Scotland, yeah. Scotland, yeah. But oh, I'm
7: boiling here. <laughs> oh, I even brought my crow's hat with me and my gloves. Lovely well. to talk to you. Yeah, great you know, to meet yeah. you. I didn't, didn't know what you didn't think you'd look like that.
1: Put that in. Um, <laughs> <you didn't, laughs> what did you think I'd look like?
7: <laughs> I don't know. There's a Barry McCaskill. Do you remember Barry McCaskill?
1: I know the name.
7: And uh, uh, for some reason, I thought you might look like him. <laughs> No, he was on the radio, but I did um, Google you, so now I know who I was looking for.
1: Pauline, nice to talk to you. Thank you. That was Pauline. I still can't understand what you meant by, I didn't think you looked like that. I'm in Hobart. I'm at Fuller's Bookshop. I'm talking
5: to... Paul, Paul Greeny. Hi, Macca. Uh, hi, Paul. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. You're not from here? No, no. I'm down here for 24 hours from business from Brisbane and I uh, heard you were going to be at the bookshop and so made sure I was timing all my meetings to be able to catch a couple of minutes with you.
1: Well, that's good. It's nice to meet people. It's a meeting place. Bookshops are always good. So what, what's your business?
5: So I work for an engineering consulting company in Australia and I manage their energy and resources business and so a lot of the renewable energy a lot of the transition to decarbonise from fossil fuels is something I work with a lot of the private investors as well as government to try and help them in that journey to to work out what steps they need to be taking to decarbonise.
1: And that's a new, whole new pathway, isn't it? I mean, it's no, there's no
5: books on it, really. It's, um, you'll discover as you go, I think. I don't know. We, we are. We're actually making it up as as we go. There's a lot of technologies that are being bandied around, around hydrogen. For, mm. It's a great blue example. Blue
1: hydrogen. And, is there, is so I, I just a, see those words and I, my eyes glaze over.
5: There's a wheel that you can look at that has yellow hydrogen, pink hydrogen, blue hydrogen, green hydrogen. There's even turquoise hydrogen. So, um, it's all different blends, but the, the fact is is that technology is very much evolving. So, a lot of the energy providers today will be the energy providers tomorrow, so we're, you'd be surprised the companies that we're working with at the moment to try and get that technology to be viable. It's quite exciting to be part of that, actually. So, you're from Queensland, yeah. um, Brisbane. You uh, travel around a bit? Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, in Hobart talking to our tunnelling team, and, uh, and tunnels is a big part of pumped hydro. So just making sure that our tunnelling team are all organised so that the wave of pumped hydro projects that are coming through at the moment, uh, we're prepared to meet that demand of work.
1: Will they all be successful, the hydro, hydrogen?
5: They won't all be successful because there's only a certain demand that we have, but there'll be an initial success of a a number of probably about eight or so big pumped hydro schemes, like you see the Pioneer Burdekin in Queensland. And then as we, there's more of a demand for energy and transferring that into hydrogen for storage and export, more and more will come online.
1: When you were doing, I assume you did engineering at uni or something like that. I bet you didn't think you'd be doing this.
5: no actually i started doing a lot of mining stuff i spent a long time developing coal mines um, but i've transformed myself and now i'm closing a lot of those coal mines and uh, we're we're very much invested in offshore wind and and solar and big batteries and the pumped hydro it's we've got to do it It's, it's i actually have a lot of engineers that are in the last sort of 10 years of their life who are coming to me and saying look i've been doing these gas projects or these oil projects all my life now I want to give something back and I really want to be involved in some of these renewable stuff. So they, it's
1: like going back to school again, really, isn't
5: it? Well, you do, it's, a lot of the skills are very transferable. So it's very easy to turn an oil and gas um, engineer into a hydrogen engineer, so it's very transferable. Who'd have, thought? Who'd have thought any of this? Well, that's right, it's certainly the transitions here for the next couple of decades, is I'll, I'll retire on it for sure, and I hopefully when I do retire, I leave it in a position that it's actually trans. There are people that I work with who are engineers who have been working in the fossil fuels, and they say to me, Finally, my kids are interested in what I have to say because I'm actually doing something that's, you know, good for the world and they're actually... Well, hopefully, yes. Yeah, well, hopefully. So it's actually uh, enjoyable hearing all of those stories and they're important stories that need to be told. There is a lot of work and investment that's, that's being done by both private and government and we will get there, hopefully the urgency. He says hopefully. No, we, no, we will get there. We have to. Um, it's just the urgency needs to gain momentum. Yeah.
1: So, Paul, where do you live?
5: I live in Brookfield, uh, just about 20 kilometres west of Brisbane. What's that like? Oh, it's good. It's, uh, I'm on a couple of acres there and it's rural, very close to Brisbane, so I have sheep and wallabies and deer and stuff like that, but I still live close to Brisbane, so it's a, it's a nice community in, in Brookfield.
1: And the company you work for?
5: Uh, it's called GHD, so it's uh, probably the largest privately owned engineering consulting company in Australia and uh, we uh, are the forefront of the whole energy transition.
1: And you're in Hobart today, and Tasmania's got a cold snap. I think it's going to be one degree overnight or something like that. How do you, how do you cope with that? Uh,
5: what I do is I fly out. I'm actually on a plane in about an hour back to Brisbane, so i got the great weather in the last 24 hours, but uh, after this I'm, uh, I'll be missing the cold uh, snap completely.
1: Lovely to meet you, Paul. Good on you, and thanks for thanks for taking the time to say good day.
5: Absolute pleasure, Mac.
8: Thank g'day g'day to you.
1: Mate. Bye. No parade without a band. I'm walking beside Kieran. Kieran Foley. How are you, Kieran? Oh, I'm very good, thank You've you. You've got a what a, a baritone sax. This a uh, tenor sax. T- tenor sax. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're with the Australian Army Band.
8: Australian Army Band Tasmania. That's right. We're a, a reserve unit here in in uh, well, based in Hobart. We've come up here to fest to uh, have a bit of a bit of fun, yeah. support the event.
1: I think you've just done ANZAC Day. I suppose you've been pretty busy, have
8: you? Oh yeah, it's been a very busy time. The ANZAC Day is yeah, it's always the best best day of the year. Yeah, down uh, marching up to the cenotaph, leading the parade. It's uh, yeah, it's very important to us all.
1: Plenty of players around. Seems lots of kids are learning instruments these days.
8: Well, yeah, there are. But um, we are always looking for new members. That's for sure. Um, particularly in our unit um, yeah, we're, any young trumpet players or trombone players in particular or bass, bass guitar players anyone really, any instrument, come along And how did you start, Kieran? Oh, I started way back when I was um, in primary school started on clarinet which is often the way for a saxophone player evolved into the saxophone and after that still the opportunity to join the army band grasped it and um, been in now for 33 years a friend of
1: mine was up in townsville the other day for the uh, i think the first RA is that first rr yeah, yeah in in townsville they're yeah. a good band
8: too aren't they oh they're, they're a great band yeah yeah, I mean, they're, they're a full-time unit. I guess they get to play more than we do. But, yeah, look, um, yeah they're, they're great. All, all of the um, Army musicians have to be at a you know, particular standard, and, um, yeah, they're certainly a very good band.
1: As I said rather flippantly, you know, you can't have a parade without a band, but it's true. I mean, it, everything depends on music.
8: And speaking of that, I mean, our members have, have been around the world with the Army band. Um, we've supported lots of events from, you know, Gallipoli through France, people been to Malaysia, um, Switzerland, Egypt, Belgium. You what name a, it. What a great gig! Yeah, oh, fantastic! And all for tax-free dollars too. For, I remember. For
1: the yeah, I remember one morning we got a phone call from some some bloke. I don't know where he was. No, their band was going over to Gallipoli or something. And Gaddafi, when he was alive, uh, flew them. He flew them to, I don't know where, and and back again. They flew in his private plane, which is, <laughs> I oh, thought that's all right, eh? Okay, uh, <laughs> not
8: sure we do that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Music will take you around the world, won't it?
8: Yeah, it certainly will. It's a great career for people, if um, if they can make it full-time. Great career.
1: It's a pleasure, Kieran. Nice to meet you, mate. Keep keep it up. Thanks so much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. I'm outside (laughs) at Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Lovely, 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 lovely. Lots of things to do this morning, lots of things to read, and a little crowd of people here. What's your name? John. How long have you been here, John? Uh,
2: 20 minutes. Is that all? I've been here for hours. Yeah, but I've I've been listening to you since five o'clock or half past five. What do you do, John? I uh, spread fertilizer on farms. Uh-huh. Hmm. And eighty one, eight on eighty two. <laughs>
1: You're still doing it? Still doing it. I met a bloke once who did that. Um, I interviewed him and and I said, "What do you do?" And he said, "I've all my life I've been spreading fertilizer." He said, uh, and he said, "In my prime, he said I was fit." He said, "I was I was a 110% fit he said see that building there we are in melbourne he said oh, i could jump over that he said oh, i was so fit cuz he'd stand on the back of a ute and they'd drive it and he'd pick up the bags and shake them out and then he and he kept doing that all his life and he was really fit and whatever
2: I'd do scientifically way with all computers
1: yeah you look a bit tubby actually john <laughs>
2: yeah. and, 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 and 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 gpss and auto steer
1: it's no good for you. You know, you want to get fit,
2: mate. Oh, you still got to get out and open gates.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's tough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good on you, John. Thanks for coming down, mate. That's,
2: that's all right. Good to we'll see
1: you. Yeah, you, you too. Look, I've got some things to read here, which I wanted to share with you, a whole pile of emails. Um, uh, this is from Stephen Taylor. Nimbin Mardi Gras, this uh, heading is. All's well here in Nimbin for the final day of Mardi Gras. Right now, as I'm listening to your show, I'm sitting on the deck, the sun is rising and the mist is dissolving across the paddock from my place. The mist is lifting from the jam-packed showgrounds. The kookaburras are up and at it while the revellers are sleeping it off. The Nimbin Mardi Gras. See, I didn't even know it was on. Did you know that was on, Kel? Uh, This from uh, Nat Carmichael. Uh, Love your show. Just on my way to work. I'm a mental health clinical nurse at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital in the emergency department. I can still remember my dad listening to your show. What great music you play. I'm off to work now, but we'll have to send you some of the comic books I publish in my spare time. That's what I used to read when I was a kid. I don't know about you. I used to read comics all the time. I used to read and read and read and read when I was a kid. Anything. And then I stopped reading, I don't know, when I started doing this program, I think because I didn't have time to read books. Reading books is a great pleasure, I think, and so I i haven't read for 30 years, I reckon. Um, I mean, I, I glanced through the odd book, but I stopped reading, but then lately I've started to read, and I'm reading this book. I've nearly finished it now, Arthur Miller. You know, Arthur Miller was married to Marilyn Monroe. Some people who are listening this morning wouldn't know who Marilyn Monroe is, but Marilyn Monroe, was, the more I read about her, she was just she was amazing. I mean just the fact that she was Marilyn Monroe. She had this aura about her that was, you know, she was larger than life. You know, they say people are larger than life. But anyway, this... Uh, Arthur Miller was a playwright and wrote, you know, Death of a Salesman and a whole lot of other things. And uh, But it, just great observations of life. Um, and I'll share it with you sometime. Uh, this is... Uh, hey, Macca, says Alan Wright. Got the billy on, mate. Um, it's getting cold out and, hey, you should be here, Alan. <laughs> There's... We've got a little fresh... One of those lazy breezes here which is going right... It doesn't go around you. It goes right through you. Uh, Macca, getting cold out in hay, made a fire bucket yesterday. Have we got a fire bucket here? Yeah. I guess what S- Sam? Right. Where's Sam? No, Sam Stoner. She's I'm the... It's, right she, right. She's, in, she's in... She gone? Wow. Where's the fire bucket? Anyway, made a fire bucket yesterday, says Alan... Trying it out as I, uh, I, I write this, listening to you. I'm a helicopter pilot too, and I loved Dean Bruce's stories. That was when we were in Ugara. Was when, when? were we in Ugara? When you travel, you don't know where you've been. You know, when that was two weeks ago, wasn't it? It wasn't last week, no. Uh, and quickly, um, from Michelle Humphries, um Good morning, Mac. I was interested to listen this morning to Steve from Mexico. Did you hear Steve from Mexico? Yeah, I did. How good was that, eh? Yeah. eh? Yeah. Out in the west Texas town of El Paso. See, there was, and he escaped over the Mexican border, but then he came back and they shot him. Anyway, he, he and my brother, says Michelle, were my first employees in Aubrey in the early 80s, which established my veterinary career in the sheep and wool industry. I'm now driving home to Gerildory from Buried. Sorry, the wind's blowing here. It's just blowing my copy away. See the people here, ladies and gentlemen. If you're at home, are amazed that I actually dare to come out in this breeze. And I will tell you what, the hardest part about it is holding this radio mic, because it's like ice. It's like <laughs> holding, it's like holding a little, a little steel bit of ice. Anyway, sorry, Michelle. Um, she said I'm driving home to. Gerildery from Berrydale in the Monaro, Monero, sorry, where I've been at the Berrydale Flock ewe Competition. There's a, this is a competition of commercial wool growers who put their Merino ewes on display for commentary by judges and interested onlookers and has been going for 93 years. I was there to give an update on the wool industry research on behalf of AWI, that's Australian Wool Innovation, and we are working on a new biological method of wool harvesting which is of great excitement to the industry driving through some light snow now in the snowy mountains <laughs> i can feel for you michelle driving through some light snow in the snowy mountains there is no wind so it's surprisingly pleasant have a good one says michelle thank you michelle over here's a friend of mine who i met uh, on flinders island i'll stand here betty betty grace how are you doll
9: i'm very well thank you ian
1: Betty's uh, originally from Flinders, aren't you?
9: Yes, I am. Yes, been in Launceston for seven years. Mm. Yes. Um, but at the moment, I'm, I'm on a walker. Or what happened? I had a fall and um, broke my uh, hip and I've had a new hip. And
1: wow. That happens, doesn't it? Um, I'm, uh, I suppose... Yeah, you see, I'm still limping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. I'm just. I'm always very careful of um, how I uh, how I walk and where I walk and stairs and things like that and uneven ground and things like that. I'm just. A lot of my friends have had knee replacements, um, and uh, they say, "Yes, go for it, Ian." So <laughs> I don't know. I'll see how I go.
9: My husband had one, and it it, um, it really helped him. Mm. Yes. Yes.
1: So. So you live in Lonnie now? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, uh, you've been back to Flinders recently.
9: I did. I went over actually. That's where I ha- actually had my fall. I went over to see um, the um, tomb or the um, time capsule to be opened right. on Flinders. I think I wrote to you about that one, oh. and um, but I fell before it happened, so I didn't get to see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me about uh, your auntie. Is it your auntie? What was the name? I wrote it down here. No, you, there was an article that uh, was in the paper some years ago, or last year, was it last year? My mother, uh, Auntie Dulcie Green, yes, my uh, Auntie Dulcie, yes, your my mother,
9: mother. Yes. yes,
1: yes. Tell me about Auntie Dulcie.
9: Well, um, my mother passed away uh, last year. Um, she was ninety-eight, um, and um, yes, no, we, yes, yeah, she was um, a very clever lady. Um, she used to do lots of lovely craft work and. And I think she actually needed you a jumper many years ago. Mm. And, um, yes. I've
1: probably still got it. You
9: have, Ian? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, yes, no, we miss her. And um, yes,
1: there was a big article in one of the local papers, yes. wasn't
9: there? Uh, in the Examiner. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. Quite a big story about about
1: uh, Auntie Dulcie Green.
9: That's Greeno. Greeno. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: And tell me a bit more about her.
9: Um, well, she was. Um, born on uh, on, uh, on Cape Barron Island actually because my grandfather was mining over there um and um she she's just oh she was just a very busy lady um and um we we just um we were five of us five children and um uh, my father was a commercial fisherman and um, mother had mum actually actually raised us because dad was at sea um quite a lot of well well, for seven days a week we he'd go away for at least a week at a time but um no she's she's um she was the one of the ladies that um made those beautiful necklaces, the aboriginal necklaces and um yes yeah, she yeah she had oh,
1: made made with shells or
9: yeah shells stringy shells yes 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 so um but she had the she's kept necklaces for all over the world they're they're everywhere at all the museums.
1: Lovely things. I saw, yeah, as I said, I saw some photos of it. Yeah. So So, um, and you're used to this uh, weather, aren't you, here? Oh,
9: yes, I am, yes. <laughs> Although I thought last year was going, it was a cold winter, but I think this one could be a little bit more chillier, I think.
1: Well, maybe it's going to be, maybe there's, sorry, I'll stand up so I'm... Uh, maybe it's going to be yeah. Uh, as I say, a few cold. We've had some droughts and stuff, haven't we? And we've had floods.
9: Maybe we'll get a cold, uh, cold couple of winters. Who knows? Actually, we've had um, quite, quite a good season. Um, you know, for farmers, it was great season. Uh, on Flinders. Yeah, and here, yeah. all right through. Yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, because my son's still farming on Flinders. So. Um,
1: and what have you got in the bag?
9: Can't you guess what's in my bag?
1: Oh, it's a sponge cake. Oh, wow. We're, we're going now. Um, just, can we get a cup of tea? Food icing
9: on top, by the way. Oh, you little
1: possum. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, uh, lovely to see you, Betty. We'll have a bit of sponge cake after, after the program. Please thank Betty Grace, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely lady.
10: Oh, g'day, Macca. This is Beth, and I'm phoning you from... Uh Lake Argyle in the Kimberley. Oh, a, wow.
1: A yeah, in a phone box.
10: From a phone box.
1: We had a call so, right. from the, probably from that same phone box about two weeks ago.
10: Oh, really? Who was
1: that, Kel? There was a bloke from a phone box at Lake Argyle, wasn't there? He was travelling around. What are you doing there, uh, Beth?
10: Um, well, up here for the um, annual Lake Argyle swim, which um, people from all over Australia have come to. And so you can do either a 20K solo or team swim, oh, right. or a 10K solo, or team swim. And so, yeah, people from all over Australia, over 320 competitors swam uh-huh. yesterday. Wow. And then and last night was a big sit-down gala dinner, probably one of the biggest in the Kimberley, with over 700 meals served. So wow. And,
1: and you swam, Beth? You're, you're a swimmer?
10: I am a swimmer. Love swimming. Yes, I did the 10K solo. Um, did my best time ever. As a PB, so this is the fifth time I've competed in this event. Um, yeah, it was great.
1: That's we went over. Did, we, we went over for that, didn't we, Kelly? Some years ago, when it first started, I think. When yeah, Kieran St. Kelly Knight took us over, on. we went over. there. we went out on the in one of those uh, flat-bottom boats, and we came in for the last kilometre or two with the swimmers. But yeah. that's that's a big. It's uh, a big. It's like a sea, isn't it, Lake Argyle?
10: Oh, it's huge, yes.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. and it's full of water. You've had a lot of it's rain over there, so I suppose it's pretty full, moment. is it?
10: Yeah, absolutely full. Yeah. And the, the scenery as you swim is just amazing. The, the, the Kimberley never ceases to give delight in, it doesn't matter how many times you come up here, you get to enjoy it again and again and again.
1: Well, I can imagine you in that phone box there. I think I know where that phone box is, near the caravan yeah. park.
10: Yeah, yep, right at the front of the caravan park.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have just to come a over again buzz sometime. buzz of
10: activity today. Sorry? It's just a buzz of activity today.
1: Is there more swimming on today, or no?
10: No, just everybody sort of moseying on around after the big night, people packing up, boats getting collected, because, yeah, the masses of boats on the water and... One interesting thing we did have was a little freshie swam across the finish line.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so,
10: yeah, that was I've, – I've never – in all my years of swimming, I've naturally never seen that. But, yeah, there's plenty of crocodiles on the edges and, yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun thing to
2: do. It's
1: like the bloke I, s- I spoke to in um, down on the west coast of Tassie. West coast, yeah, Macquarie Harbour, and there's the entrance to near Strawn there, and there's a – and some swimming blokes from the Brighton Icebergers in Melbourne went down to swim across there. It's about 200 metres and they swam across it and then they went back ashore and told the people and said, well, we just swam across there. And they said, oh, that's really good. Uh, we saw a, a, a nice big white pointer there last week. Um,
10: <laughs>
1: so, yeah, it's fun in the water, but no, no thanks. Well, Go on. I'm
10: actually from Albany yeah. and so... Uh, swimming in Albany, Western Australia, is a lot different from swimming in the um, waters of Lake Argyle. The water temperature is around 27 degrees.
1: Yeah, and it's fresh water, so it doesn't hold, yeah. doesn't hold you up as much. Good on you, Beth. Great to talk to you. Thanks for your call yeah. from the phone box.
10: Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Macca. It's a pleasure.